Welcome to a French Collection podcast, a go-to podcast for everything on France, hosted by me, Annette Charlton. With guests, candid insights into living in France, travel discussions and more, our show will transport you to the land of cheese and croissants. So now let's dive into our next episode. Hello and welcome to another podcast from A French Collection. For this edition, we're having a look at living in rural France. I'm going to share with you a few of the everyday events that were part of living in France in the early days when we purchased the house and moved in. So today we're looking at building a garage, growing some vegetables and making friends. When we were in France at, in the early days, it was a really busy time. We were building renovating, making lots of uh, repairs and purchasing furniture to fill the house, lots of linen. But as far as the new garage, it wasn't a spur of the moment decision, but really it was a carefully planned activity. Our home had not previously had a garage and with uh, with the holidays that we were taking over there, we sort of said, okay, must build a garage one day. So plans were drawn up and approval was sought and it was also received over a glass of red with our local mayor and cars were measured later in the year. We had to measure our cars because we had to get get a car hoist. We had to include that in the design to allow two cars to be stored one above the other in part of the garage. And also that would allow lots of extra space for workbenches and drying of laundry in winter. So then we made plans for our next holiday and I put holiday in inverted commas because as it turned out, it wasn't really. In May 2016, Paul and I went and we built the concrete slab in preparation for the garage. Our friendly French neighbour helped in the process together with dear friends of ours who arranged for the delivery of the quick setting concrete. As always, not everything went according to plan. Such as when the truck arrived, the concrete truck, And the driver advised us that he simply could not fit his truck down the driveway, so he couldn't deliver his concrete. I said to Paul, heck, that is just not going to do. We were on a tight time schedule, we'd prepared the site, and we needed to return to Australia in a few days' time. We needed that concrete, and we needed that delivery man to deliver it. So Paul, being ever resourceful, he said, right, let's get rid of the front fence, and then the truck will fit down the driveway. So we ran around like crazy chickens with our heads chopped off. We ran around crazy. We grabbed a sledgehammer, we grabbed a heavy axe and in no time at all we demolished the front fence before the driver decided to return to his concrete plant with all of our concrete. He couldn't believe it. Unfortunately some of our pretty pink cosmos plants were destroyed in the rush but I wasn't worried about plants. I knew they'd regrow. So then after we got the truck a little bit down the driveway, the driver decided once again he could not deliver our concrete because his chute was not long enough to drop the concrete right where we needed it. So faced again with the prospect of not getting our concrete, we managed to make him understand we'd be happy to shovel most of it ourselves if he could just point the chute at the furthest part that he could manage, hopefully in part of the formed up area. So grabbing my gum boots and the rake, I started shoveling while Paul held the concrete pipe. He tried to direct the flow as best as possible. 
Paul felt really bad about doing this. I was doing most of the shoveling. But the thing was, he's been he's so much taller than me, so he could reach up and hold the makeshift pipe that we'd attached to the end of the concrete chute so that we could get the concrete down reasonably where we needed it. Paul standing ahead and shoulders above me, it really had to be his job. So our neighbour, after popping he, looking over the fence and, and popping over, he must have felt so sorry for us. So he ran back to his house, grabbed his own shovel and started uh, shoveling the enormous amounts of this sloppy concrete. And after that, he even took on the duties of project manager. He started directing urgent and fast instructions to his two worker bees, aka Paul and I. He worked furiously alongside us. We were so grateful for his help and honestly, we just did as we were told. Not that we could actually understand a lot of it because he spoke very fast French, but we got the gist. So after finishing off the concrete and flattening it and screeding it, we needed to let it cure, although it looked like there was going to be rain on the horizon. So we carefully covered it all up, hoping that as we left, there wouldn't be too much heavy rain. We needed our concrete to cure. So we left it like that in a rather precarious situation and we returned to Australia. So it's one of those long haul trips again, another 30 hours plus to get back home while we were hoping the whole time our concrete was curing. So we came back to Australia, we resumed our work and got on with our family lives. So the next part of the plan to putting the garage together was to have the building materials delivered to the house over the next month ready for when we returned a little over a month later. So our very good friends, Merv and his wife Helen, organised for the garage wood to be delivered in our absence and for it to be waiting ready when, when we arrived back in August. So when we did arrive, the very next day, after arriving in France in late August, the building commenced. We were on a tight schedule again. There was no time to delay. No sleeping in to adjust to international time zones. It was just get on with it. At this final stage of our garage build, we had wonderful friends who joined us in the building project. Two fellow Aussie families came over to help us for a few days as part of their family holidays. So we had a very full house and lots of large meals to make for hungry, tired workers. After many extra trips to hardware stores, hiring of trucks, picking up extra food supplies and lots and lots of hard work by everybody, our garage was finished. And now a word from our sponsor, a French Collection Tours. Thinking of visiting France? A French Collection Tours offer inspirational, luxurious escorted all-women tours to Paris, Normandy, Brittany and Provence. Imagine seven days with a small group of like-minded women exploring the wonders of France. These fun and exclusive tours focus on culture and art, great food and drink, authentic locations and market trips and boutique shopping. Our French collection tours are perfect to relax and unwind, re-energise and invigorate with everything taken care of for you. Your host Annette Charlton has lived part-time in France with her family for over 11 years and knows how to ensure your tour is perfect. 
Whether it's bucket list items or secret places Annette knows about, you will truly love the Parisian vibe. And if you want to experience Brittany like a local, then walking, quaint towns, beach walks will delight you. Or if the warmth of the south of France appeals to you, then you'll be spoiled amongst the charming villages and ancient sites on a French collection tour. So if you're thinking of traveling to France, take a look at a French collection tours and create your lasting memories while having the time of your life. Find out more at www.afrenchcollection.com. So now back to our building project. Other neighbours a little further down the lane have a large lush vegetable patch or kitten, kitchen garden, potager in French this is called. And this trip, building the garage, we chatted for the first few days in broken French over our fence. Madame Potager, as I called our friendly neighbour, was delighted we tidied up the garden once again, got rid of the weeds and were building a new garage. As she speaks French, actually Breton, I struggled to understand everything she said and limited my conversation to vegetables, fruit and the food that I was feeding my friends. To show her delight, and I honestly also think she may have thought I was asking for some of her vegetables, she gave us an enormous marrow, freshly plucked from her potager. What was I to do with it, I wondered. I settled on making a couple of vegetable bakes, keeping one dish for myself and giving the other to Madame Potager. I wished to thank her. And I also felt bad, thinking that she might have thought that I was asking or requesting for some of her vegetables. So thankful, however, was Madame Potager for the meal that the next day we received a couple of uh, big bundles wrapped up in ancient linen. The bundle was filled with fresh green French beans and with little bundles of herbs. She'd obviously picked them while we were out purchasing more supplies at the hardware store. Blanched beans fried in truffle oil and garlic were on the menu that night and then we put our thinking caps on. What were we to do with all the rest of the beans? There was a massive bundle of beans. I know, I said to my girlfriend, let's make salad nikos. That'll use up lots of beans. So that dish is a typical dish of Nice and its surrounding area. It also contains tomatoes, olives, anchovies and garlic. We had that dish for the next few days. We took a photo of our salad and we showed Madame Potager, who was delighted at both our attempts at salad uh, nicoise and the near completion of our garage. Much praise was also given for the choice of paint colour. She loved it. So on the day when we were packing up the cottage to return back home to Australia, garage built, job done, I took round to her all our leftover food and a number of dishes I had prepared using up our spare food. These ones were ready for her to pop straight into her oven after a busy day in her large veggie patch. After being invited into her family home and introduced to the whole family, Madame Potager rushed out to her conservatory to start cutting huge bunches of grapes for us to take and enjoy on our journey. So with much ado and fond farewells, we parted once again. Fresh produce from earth to table and neighbourly love. This is for me what living in a French village is all about. So building our garage, enjoying our salad and spending time with our neighbour, 
is just a little taste of what we feel living in rural France is all about. And so a little bit more about living in a small village and making friends and getting to know people. On another trip at our house, my husband Paul, he was quite sick and to be honest, it was driving me a bit, uh, a bit, bit crazy. Normally I'm quite a kind and understanding person, but on this trip, the last trip, we'd been really, really busy building the garage and we'd, we'd accomplished that. And this trip, we had a big long list of things that needed to be done as well. But with being so sick, nothing was getting done. Every time we head there, we've got a lot of plans of house maintenance work that we'll be doing, gardening projects that we'll complete, new villages or towns that we'll visit. With a limited time period to get all the jobs done as well, a bit of fence painting, the part of the fence that's not been pulled down, and the windows washed and the garden tidied, together with a bit of fun, we needed to all be fit and healthy. And of course, living so far away, we'd had to arrive, knuckle down, get jobs done and then have a great time. So Paul was not his usual happy self. He was unwell. I was outside working in the garden from early morning to late evening to try and complete all the chores myself so that we could then have some fun, visit our friends and go touring. Anyhow, Paul wasn't getting any better. So desperate for some help, I talked to our good friend Helen who lives only 30 minutes drive away and asked if she knew a local doctor that spoke English. As I was waiting for her to get back to me with information, I vigorously added more layers of white paint onto the fence's woodwork. It may or may not have been fate that I was outside, painting the fence when I was, but a robust and down-to-earth-looking lady, who I'd briefly seen before, she came up and she started chatting with me, and it was in English. Now, while that's not really amazing, it's a bit of a rare thing in our small village. It really was so nice to fluently speak and have a full conversation without halted speech, mental word translation, and of course, all the obligatory hand gestures. Anyhow, as we were chatting away, she tells me she's a registered nurse back in the UK and explains where she lives. I at once realise where her home is. It's the house with all the animals in the neighbouring village. This lively nurse lived in the sprawling home with the four dogs, two goats, at least six cats and numerous chickens. Her animals and kids' toys were always drawn over the laneway whenever we drove through her hamlet and now I had a face to put to the menagerie. Our new friend, the nurse. Anyway, chatting away, she starts talking to me about my family and I tell her how Paul is unwell and inside. She wants to know all the details. She wants to know all the gossip. I'm thinking, hmm, I'm not sure if it's a bit inappropriate given that she's a nurse. Nah, it's okay. And I proceed to tell her all the personal details of Paul and take her to see him. She might know what to do. And Susan does. She tells us what to do, explains who the best local doctor is and promises to call in on the next day to check on her new patient. I had learned having a chat with Susan that her family had opened an English-style sweet store and they imported items to supply to the expat community throughout the neighbouring villages. Her main import was turkeys at Christmas time and a large range of sweets. So feeling one good deed deserves another, 
come Saturday market morning, I grab my basket and I drive to the town of Content where her store is. After filling my basket with strawberries, cheese and mussels at the marketplace, I visit her son who is manning the store for the morning. I start piling lollies and even more lollies into my basket, reasoning that A. I'm supporting the business venture of Susan, my new friend. B. The lollies looked particularly delicious. And C. I knew when Paul was better, he would love some sweets too. On my drive home through the winding woodland roads, I thought how funny that some of these sweets that were made in the UK, sold in France, would most likely end up in Australia with my kids, not wanting to leave them behind. I also dwelt on how happy I was feeling. Susan's good deed had definitely deserved another one in return from me. So that brings us to the end of another podcast and our time together. Thanks for listening. I've enjoyed your company and I look forward to sharing more on France and all things French with you next week. Until then, you can head over to the blog at www.afrenchcollection.com for the full blog post. And now, it's an au revoir from me.